created live on Fireside. Welcome, I'm Laura Lee Binstock, and this is a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Thank you so much for joining me live on Fireside Chat, where you can be a part of the conversation as my virtual audience. I am your host, Lori Lee Binstock. Everyone has an opportunity to ask questions for to me or my guests by requesting to hop on stage or sending a message in the chat box. I will try to get to you, but I do ask that everybody be respectful. Today's guest is Lou Bryant. Lou specializes in Reiki, trauma, spiritual healing, and sound and light healing, and has a unique perspective on complex PTSD. She has just published a new book, Tortured and Triumphant. In it, she owns her truth and tells her story about childhood sexual abuse, mental illness, trauma, and healing. Lou, thank you so much for joining me. I'd love to to talk to you about, you know, your book, um, Tortured and Triumphant. You know, you experienced a very in- incredibly traumatic childhood, and I, I don't think... I feel that very few people could even understand the trauma that you went through. Could you um, talk a little bit about your childhood? Um, well, to start with, I was born to a mother that did, had no desire to, to have me. Um, I was very neglected and uh, so neglected that the courts gave my her mother custody of me. And what I didn't know at the time was... Um, two sisters and a brother as well. So her mother took on the responsibility of basically four children. Uh, at the time I was about one years old. And um, the problem was she apparently had her issues and mm-hmm. I ended up being the brunt of her anger. Um, so much so that most of the time from what I've read in the records that I was finally allowed to see, um, I was kept tied up. Um, I was apparently beaten quite a bit. The, what finally got me out of the house was the day she actually took me and sat me on a hot stove eye. Mm. And I was immediately taken to the hospital after the police were called. Apparently a neighbor kept, kept hearing me scream and called the police. Thank God, because I might not have survived had she not. Um, I spent my third birthday uh, in the hospital. Uh, malnourished. She would not feed me unless the other children were around. Um, I couldn't walk. I was, well, at this point, I was just turned three and I couldn't walk. Not well. Um, I could shuffle a little bit from what I've heard other stories from my brother and sister, um, who I found 60 years later. Oh, but wow. um, they, I, they ended up putting me in an, an adoption center and uh, the parents who would eventually adopt me um, I basically was adopted into a life of servitude I became their their servant their slave I had to do whatever they wanted and in the process they you know I was threatened with being returned to the adoption center nobody would ever love me if I didn't go you know if I didn't do what I was told uh, this type of thing and um, as I grew up the things Basically, the things that I experienced was oftentimes uh, 
I would be beaten so badly I would bleed because they used a two by four that my father carved a handle in so he could hang on to it. <laughs> um, and then between the ages of 11 and 15, I was uh, raped quite a bit. Oh and um, that was that was basically him. And then, then my mother would uh, my mother, I think, probably caused the worst um, problems that, that I ended up having as an adult um, from just sheer invalidation. Um, her her favorite form of um, disciplining me was um, basically to completely ignore me to the point of not even acknowledging my presence. You know, you talked, uh, I, when I hear you talk about it, you say, apparently, apparently. So I'm assuming you didn't remember a lot of the physical abuse. Well, actually, grow, as I grew up, not, not, not as a young child, I, from age one to, to four, my first actual memory that I can recall was, oddly enough, was being baptized. Um, hmm. So anything prior to that, I do not consciously remember. I can, I mean, I have this, I have the scars, uh, especially from the burn. Um, but as far as anything prior to that, I don't consciously remember it. Everything after that, though, I do. Um, and I say apparently because I can't, I can't read their minds. I couldn't read their mm -hmm. minds then. I don't know what they were thinking. I do. And from what I've learned since with, uh, with development and um, talking with psychologists and psychiatrists, um, people repeat what has been done to them. Mm -hmm. So... And this was kind of my part of learning how to forgive them was realizing, okay, apparently they, they had to have learned this. This is not something we're born with. Um, they were being doing the best they could with what they had, which was obviously not very good. Um, so that's why I use, I use that word. But um, so anyway, this would lead to, this would lead to a marriage that was, should have never happened, um, which there's, I go into a lot more explanation into the book as to why, but um, this is the problem with invalidation. Um, I was led to believe that I wasn't worth anything more than just being used as a sex toy or as a servant, um, that I wasn't very smart, that I wasn't um, bright enough, pretty enough um, to be anything else other than what they had turned me into. But as I got older, um, I finally, I just finally realized there had to be, there had to be something more to life than this. And that's when I started my journey into basically, I guess you would call it self-awareness. Wow. Sorry about that. Um, you know, I do want to discuss traumatic invalidation. Um, because like you said, which I found really interesting, you had all these physical scars. You had these, the physical pain, but it was that invalidation from your mother that caused you the most um, difficulties as an adult. So yeah. I wanted to talk about that a little bit more. Um, can you discuss what is traumatic invalidation and why discussing it is important and how it affected your life? Um, 
I'm going to take this from something that I found while I was researching for the book, because I think it explains it even better than I probably could. Um, and this is taken from uh, the Journal of Child and Adolescent Psychopharmacology. Um, it's also taken from a doctoral paper that was presented in 2017 at Walden University. And it deals specifically with the effects of emotional invalidation. Um, one of the things, emotional abuse occurs whenever an, whenever an individual is dictated on how to feel, told they are too sensitive or dramatic, or advised not to feel a certain way, which I was constantly reminded of that continually throughout my um, adolescence. Psychological invalidation causes severe psychological damage. Not only does it create emotional distance, also conflict. Um, internal as well as external, violence, disruption in relationships, and it did. I, I really had a tough time as, as, I'm, as an adult, but, and the recipient feels alienated, confused, inferior, worthless, and problematic. And that's the way I was raised, was that I was all of those things, um, that I never knew what I was talking about, I didn't know what I was feeling, I was too much of this or not enough of that. Um, and that is a form of invalidation. And also the silent treatment is they consider to be one of the worst because it literally, you don't exist. And as you get older, you realize, you, you begin to think that, okay, I, if I don't exist, then obviously, you know, I'm not worthy of anything. And I did. Um, it is by far the root of all low self-esteem and a deep-seated fear of, of rejection from anybody. Um, basically it can lead a child to believe that if his feelings do not matter, neither do, neither do they. And that's, that's, <laughs> and that's the saddest part because, um, it does. I can attest that, um, mm -hmm. but as yeah. I got older, I began to realize because I was, I was fortunate enough. I had other people come into my life that realized that, you know, there was a lot more to me than that. And then it took time for me to realize it was okay. I literally had to learn how to express my emotions. I had been so repressed, um, especially learning how to express anger in a in an in a better way. <laughs> Let's put it in that a healthier way. way. Yes. Yeah, a healthier yes. way, a better way. Um, also, that it was okay to cry. Um, one of the things I heard time and time again is if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something, I'll give you something that'll really make you cry. Mm -hmm. And after the first couple of times of that, you'd learn real quick, stop crying. Right. By the time yeah. I was 12, I just, I didn't even, um, I didn't even cry anymore when they'd beat me. Mm. You, you know, when we talk, when you you wrote a piece for me, an authentic insider about traumatic invalidation or invalidation itself. And you, you talk about it now feeling unworthy. That is a really, really difficult thing to overcome because yes, I, I, I myself, you know, was always told I wasn't good enough constantly. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. You know, everything you do is bad or even if it's good, it's ac accidental, you know. Um, or not good enough. It's just not good enough. And that is one of the things I am constantly working on. It's just, it's no matter, it, you have to really believe it. And But the thing is, if you spend so much of your life, people telling you that you're not good enough, it 
takes almost that much time to tell yourself you are. Um, and yeah. you have to really believe, and that's really, really the tough part. And, and I think that's because at that point, you're like, what's the point in me living? What's the point in me, you know, trying to sur survive? Um, but you also just talked about there were people in your lives that came in and, and, and started validating your feelings and allowed you to feel your feelings. Yes, to realize that I was that I wasn't as, as stupid as I was made to believe that, uh, that I was, um, that it was okay just to be me, to mm -hmm. be able to laugh the way I laugh. I mean, a lot of times I heard, you know, you laugh too loud or what are you laughing at? You know, and it's like, okay. Mm. So it's those little nuances that, and after a while from a scientific standpoint, that literally embeds itself into your nervous system. Yeah. into your subconscious and that's what you have to get access to to bring that up and to deal with it and let go of the emotional charge behind it i still have those memories but one of the things i i stayed on the back of the book that i'm very proud of is that my past no longer controls me i control yeah. my life and for me that was a, that was a massive triumph when i finally realized that it was okay to just be me I didn't have to believe them anymore. Who were these people in your life that began began validating you? Um, there were teachers along the way. Mm. Um, there was especially one in high school that uh, really, I, she made me realize just how smart I was. <laughs> mm. And um, another one was um, commander of Civil Air Patrol. When I joined it at 16, and that was right after my father finally, finally passed away, um, he really brought out just all the different aspects of myself that, you know, that, that I really was something special, and it was okay to feel that way. Um, he, I think he's the one who actually started teaching me how to think, how to, to analyze, to really look at things and seek the truth behind it. Um, let me see. And of course, there's been others as an adult that I have uh, read and followed that have really made it, helped me to start working through a lot of this. Um, one of them was Luis L. Hayes, um, the founder of Hay House. Another one was um, Bill Harris. He was the founder and creator of Holosync and the Centerpoint Research Institute. Um, that deals with um, how the brain functions and they he came up with a method to actually settle your brain. One of the things I'm the most grateful for, I used to have the shakes about it wasn't even funny well in, well into my, my 40s. And one of the things Holocene did for me when I got into the program is that it helped synchronize both hemispheres of the brain to the point where I was actually able to level out instead of constantly emotionally being either real down or real high, uh, kind of like, um, you know, what I think they call it bipolar now, um, mm -hmm. where it's, you know, you have this constant roller coaster of emotions. You're never really, you know, even keeled, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And Holosync helped me to get there. Um, I would highly recommend the program to anybody that has those type of emotions. Um, because it did, it helped level me out. And to this day, I, I'm as, I, no shakes, no nothing. Um, wow. so there's been a lot of different aspects and that's, what's brought me 
just that diving into that darkness that um, that I have come up with a lot of answers and a lot of ways that people can, you know, really start. There, there are ways out of this. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't feel that, right? I feel, at least for me and, and some people that I spoke to, it's like when you're in the trauma and you're in this hypervigilant state of, you know, fight or flight. Yeah, right. You can't, it's like, it's like you have blinders on. You can't see past like, oh, this is who you feel like, at least for me, I felt like this is who I am. Nothing's going to change. Right. And if it changes, who knows what it's going to change into. So I don't want to do, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable here because I've been here the majority of my life. So right. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, which was not really the answer at all. No, it's not. And change can be a very scary thing because mm -hmm. you don't know. You don't know, God, is this going to get worse? And to be quite honest about it, when I, when I actually went through therapy um, and treatment for this, um, one of the things that I was the most afraid of was actually going back into it because I was afraid I'd get caught up in it again. Mm. I had made some progress and I didn't want to lose that. And I was afraid I would. And so it took, it, it took the therapist a, a couple of times to finally, you know, get me comfortable. And I, I think it was getting comfortable with her, um, feeling safe with her and that she was my anchor. And I think that's what helped get me. And then once we started getting into it and I started realizing, oh my God, I'm actually making progress here. It's actually working. Um, then it was like, okay, it's on. <laughs> let's go. Let's do this. I'm. I, let's get this over with. And it wasn't so much get over with because it was bad. It was get this over with so I can. I'm beginning to feel like I can have my own life again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's another thing about recovery or healing. Right? It's not a. It's not a straight line. It's very much like you're up and you're down. And there are times when you feel down, when you're like, oh, I failed. And it's easy to be like, I quit. Um, at least that was how it was like, what was it was like for me. And that was really difficult. Um, to It took me a while to realize that the road to recovery is just not a straight line. No, it's definitely not linear. <laughs> no, no, and no. really any type of self-development, um, people think, you know, okay, do this step, do this step, and I'll get to here. Well, it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a linear thing. Um, you will progress in certain areas and then all of a sudden you feel like you, like you said, you feel like, oh my God, I failed, but you really haven't failed. What's happening is that more stuff is starting to come up. Mm -hmm. It's like once you open that, 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 that gate, so to speak, and I don't want to say floodgate because, and, but it can be overwhelming at times. I remember a couple of times when I was going through therapy, I would, I was literally on the floor gasping for air mm. from crying so hard because of all this stuff coming up that I had never allowed myself to, to express. And that's part of the, that's part of the process is allowing yourself to let it out because holding it in is what ends up causing us a lot of our physical problems. Right. And it, and it does, it leads to that. I have, I mean, I had to have surgery at, at uh, 19. Um, I had ulcers by, by the time I got out of high school. Uh, like I said earlier, I had, I mean, I had to shake. My nervous system was so screwed up. It wasn't even funny. Mm -hmm. um, so 
it's like if you if you work with this and you get through it and like I say, it's literally diving into the darkness. Um, but there is a light at the end. You keep you keep that in mind is that this will lead to the light. I don't have to stay in the darkness anymore. Yeah, absolutely. How, how long did it take you to realize that you can get help? Um, well, to be quite honest about it, um, I sought help early on. I was in my late 20s um, after my divorce. Actually, I'd started before the divorce, but I really got serious after the divorce. And, um, and that was mainly because my ex-husband, literally the day after the divorce was finalized, he took the kids out of state. And mm-hmm. I did not get to see them for almost a year or talk to them. And that, 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 that broke me. I was, I, I tried to commit suicide hmm. and, um, it was that, I guess, hitting bottom completely yeah, or diving into the abyss, <laughs> which is how I, <laughs> I saw it. I literally threw myself into the abyss and it was coming out of that, that made me realize that, okay, it doesn't have to be this way course they they put me on a medication that made me feel like a zombie i couldn't feel anything and i didn't particularly care for that either um so it it was a for me it, it turned out to be pretty much a 30 year a 30 year process because back then you didn't have all this information you didn't have all mm-hmm. this research um i went to psychiatrists i went to psychologists and basically what they were telling me was that there was nothing they could do for me Right. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding, <laughs> except put me on medication. And I'm right. like, I'm not staying on this crap. <laughs> I'm just not. Right. It made you um, feel horrible. Yeah, it, it did. didn't it made, heal you. No, it didn't heal me. It just made me feel numb. And mm-hmm. that's not a way to live. Trust me. Right. Um, when I finally, I think, uh, and granted, there, there are certain steps along the way in this journey that I found things that helped me get through stuff. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really feel like I had completely gotten rid of all of, of the emotional charges deep within me until I went through the actual therapy. And I, that has only come about, oddly enough, um, specifically for complex PTSD since 2000, 2018. Mm-hmm. It's only 2022. That's four years. I waited a long time to finally get the final piece of the puzzle. Right. Yeah, but it is well worth it. Mm-hmm. Yes, when I uh, when was it 2010? I want to say yes, it was 2010. About 20 years after um, is when I actually really got the help. But 20 years ago, or more over 20 years ago, I rem- I was um, I was working in in television and, and news, and I had a I had a breakdown. It was a massive breakdown. I was taken. I um, took a ton of pills. I, I, I just, I can't do this anymore. I was taken to a psych ward and, um, they diagnosed me bipolar. PTSD yeah. was not a diagnosis 10 no. years ago. Not, not no. for, unless you were a soldier, Yeah, you know, that was not a diagnosis. So they diagnosed me as bipolar. So they put me on lithium. They put me on all these antipsychotics Um, And I was miserable. I was miserable for 10 years. And then finally in 2020, um, I admit it when someone told me I I, I was working as a PR 
um, rep for this author. And he was talking about being sexually abused and being a, you know, in suffering from PTSD. And I'm like, what? You can suffer from PTSD as, and not be a soldier? There's, yeah. there's actually help for this? Yes. Maybe that's what happened to me because at that point I didn't talk about being sexually abused as a child. So that was a very that was a very mind blowing thing for me. I needed to go get I was like I need to talk to somebody. Granted I didn't it took me like a year to actually say the words I was sexually abused by my father out loud. Right. Um but once I finally did and it really led to um my last suicide attempt when I finally was just like this is this is what I'm dealing with this is what's happening and my husband was just like oh my god I, I'm shocked not super surprised but shocked and then we got the help that I needed and all the help that I was getting for PTSD wasn't focused on pills or anything like that it was very much somatic experiencing I went into treatment for 31 days during the pandemic and it was EMDR, all of these holistic ways of healing. Exactly. I did, granted, I did have to go on SSRIs just to kind of put out the fire, but I'm no longer on SSRIs anymore, thank goodness. Yeah. But um, but I, I I started healing, and that 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 changed everything, because for 20 years I was just I thought something was wrong with me, mm-hmm. and then finally it was like oh, PTSD. I'm struggling. I had textbook symptoms of PTSD and I had no clue. Um, So that, that was, that was amazing to learn. Um, But you actually got into spiritual healing and Reiki and energy, working with energy. How did that become your journey? Um, Because of the suicide. Mm. Um, And let me tell you what happened during that suicide, which is what stopped me. I had, uh, I think it was like maybe a week, maybe two. I really consciously, I do not remember at the time how long it was before I finally walked up on that catwalk and was going to throw myself off. Mm. Um, but as I got ready to climb, I was actually, I'd already climbed over the rail. I was standing there hanging on to the, the railing with my feet on the, the catwalk and I was getting ready to let go. And all of a sudden I hear Lou, don't do it. And I'm like, and I, I literally <laughs> twisted around so quick. I'm surprised I didn't fall to be quite frank about it. Um, and there's nobody there. And I'm like, who the hell is that? <laughs> I'm like, what is this? And, and all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden it's like it, this, this, it's hard to describe unless you've been there. It's like this, just this feeling came over me and then this voice. And it's like, Lou, don't do this. This isn't the answer. Is this how you want your girls to remember you? Mm. And before I even had a chance to answer, I was shown a vision of what would happen to both of my girls as a reaction to me committing suicide. And I was like, and it was like, no, I don't, I don't want that for them. And it told me, 
Go get the help you need. You can get through this. This is not the answer. Please climb back over the rail. I climbed back over the rail, went down, called called the actually I called the counselor that I was that my ex-husband and I were seeing before we got the divorce and told her what had happened. And she literally came to my apartment and sat there and talked with me for quite a while. And that's that's how it that's the spiritual aspect of it. It was I I don't know how else to put that. Um, later on, and this comes out in the book, I would discover who that was, but, um, it was actually an ascended master who had decided to come in and stop me. (laughs) But, um, Mm. so it's been, it's been quite a journey, but it's been, it's been sometimes terrifying, sometimes fun, sometimes, you know, but until you really get to know yourself, uh, and allow yourself to be yourself, um, that's when you find out who you truly are and just how worthy you are. Yeah. Wow. And everybody Oops. deserves to have that feeling that I have now. And I think you do too. That's amazing. Wow. It's, it's so interesting that you, you, you know, your story like that, just, you know, just divine inf- intervention, just something telling you that you had a purpose and you needed that that there was so much for you to do because you know and, and you know someone from my, one of my one of my previous guests said let let your breakdown become your breakthrough and i I've, I've been carrying that with me like you know every time i'm having a, like a mental break or i feel like i can't you know just taking that that deep breath and trying to figure out why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why am I feeling this way? Because there are things like your divorce that helped you see what your potential was for healing. Yeah. And and I think that that's incredible. Um, you talked a little bit about your relationship with your children. Um, what was that like as someone who is dealing with trauma themselves and, and raising children? Cause I know it's, it's so difficult for me, right? It's, it's like, and you, you're, you're talking about learned behavior. Is there, was, was there a point where it was just really hard for for you to be a mother dealing with these unhealed issues This is one of the things I bring out in the book. Um, when I knew that our marriage was over and I had no desire to be with him ever again, um, I had a really serious decision to make. Was I going to give him custody or was I going to try and take custody? Who would be the primary custody? Now, in the divorce, we agreed that we would have shared custody. So when he took off with the girls the day after the divorce, I'm sure you can imagine what that must have been like for me. Mm -hmm. I thought I would be a part of their lives. And all of a sudden that was ripped from me. Um, But the decision to give him primary custody was literally the final deciding factor was I was afraid I would become like my mother with my girls. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want that for them because I didn't know anything else. Um, 
I was not there all the time. Like I said, it was, it was almost a year before I would even get to see or talk to them after the divorce. Um, but what I, what, what I held on to was, okay, I may not have every day with them, but the time I do have with them is going to be quality time. Mm. I may not have the quantity, but I will give them quality. And my youngest and I had a lot of problems as she was a teenager. It wasn't until she got into um, college that we were finally able to sort of make amends. And I think it's because she was old enough to, to be able to see both sides of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> my youngest, she was, she was probably my A number one fan. She fought her father tooth and nail up to the point where she literally took off when she be when she was a teenager, I think she was all of fourteen. Yeah, she was fourteen when all that went down, just to get away from him, in hopes of finding me. Mm-hmm. So, two very different reactions, but they're they're both we're both of them and are friends with me now. We talk on a con- continual basis. Um, they realize that you know what their father had done and and I've had to help guide them through some things because of the stuff that he put into their heads so I'm just glad we're friends and we're still connected and they know I love them yeah I mean I'm sure they understand your story you came out with this yes. book yeah and I think that that had to put some perspective for them like wow this yeah. is what my mother has gone through yeah. Yeah, because neither one of them knew what had happened after the divorce of my one my going to commit suicide. Mm. So that really um that really shook them up a little bit. But again, like you said, I think it gave them a totally different perspective of, you know, my side of that story versus what they grew up with. Right. Wow. Did you do you knowing what you know about invalidation how did you raise your children growing up when you realized that actually i didn't um i don't know if it was something instinctual or if it was because of my spiritual background with reiki um the books i read i always did my best not to invalidate i i did my best to support whatever they wanted to do um, if I felt like it wasn't, if I would try to guide them, not tell them, uh, there's a big difference. <laughs> mm-hmm. Words can make a, a world of difference. And that's part of what happens with the invalidation too. It's not just what they say, it's how they say it, their body language, um, that whole, it's the whole thing. It's a package. It's not just one thing or another. It's, it's a package deal. And I always tried to stay away from that. Um, it wasn't until I started doing the research for this for the book um, that I discovered all this information about the effects of actual invalidation. And I started reading it. And I was like, "Oh my God, that's me! Mm-hmm. That's me!" I just threw it through. That <laughs> I've been through all that, and it's like, <laughs> "Oh my God!" But that's I had already been working with words and stuff because, with um, especially with Reiki, the way you use your words. Um, the tone you use, the feeling behind those words mm-hmm. um, the can energy. make a big difference. 
Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of parents and, and I, you know, I've been guilty of this myself is just, you know, they, and I don't mean to shame, but there are times where I do shame my child into being quiet when we need to be quiet or, you know, and I, and, you know, when I read your article and read your piece, I was like, oh, I really need to do better. I need to do better. <laughs> I need to do real, much better um, because that's what my parents did to me. That was just constant. It was constant shaming. Yeah, um, and you got to catch yourself. But that's, see, that's when you celebrate because you caught yourself. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. a victory. You actually caught yourself. And most people won't even take the time to do that. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard when you it's actually say something and then you're like, wait a minute, that was wrong. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. It's very, <laughs> probably very confusing for a child. Uh, but, you know, then it's, it's, you know, I, I tell my, ch my daughter all the time, you know, <coughs> I am so sorry. Mommy should not have acted that way. I just, at, at this moment, can we try to be quiet just because we are wherever we are or, you know, and it's and and I think it's it's tough, but you're right. It's it's catching yourself, letting them know when you're wrong. Yeah, allowing yourself to be that vulnerable. Right, because that I never got that as a child. Oh, my I parents were never vulnerable. Everything was my fault. Oh yeah, no, they were tough. They were strong. Look at me. See what I've overcome. You know, you'll never be as good as me. Da 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 mm -hmm. da. Yeah, I know the I know the routine. Wow. Yeah, I, I I think that that's one of the things is with with trauma and validation and validation. You can that that just is you can that can be passed down easily because um, if it's done to you, you do it to your child. And, you know, I hope as a mother and I, she sees me trying to fix that, trying to make these changes um, and my son, too, that they that it gets a little easier. You know, my daughter she's seven so she experienced me and my and some of my really low points um, but she's also seen me work on my healing and I think that that makes a difference my son is much younger he's four so he's really seen me working on myself so I feel like a lot of me doesn't pop out of him sometimes, but my daughter, I'm like, oh, you're very triggering right now. <laughs> you're acting just like me. I need to fix this. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and, you know, my husband is the other day, he was just like, well, we can't get mad at her because she definitely got this from us. You know, he, he shuts down. I'm the one, I'm very explosive, which I'm, my, my, I'm working on my anger um, now. <laughs> But, um, and it's, it's been helpful, but you know, these are things she has seen in me and has been, you know, we, we are just trying to, like you said, guide and show her, you know, that we are wrong. Let her know we are wrong. That we are, this is not how you're supposed to behave. Um, and shaming you was, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and there was a point and I really, really, I got really emotional when she asked, well, you know, why don't, why don't we see, you know, my, my parents basically, because we see my husband's parents all the time. They're wonderful right. grandparents, but they, I don't see my parents. Um, and I don't, you know, my, I was sexually abused by my father, so I don't want her to be around, you know, right. my parents. 
Um, and she asked, and I said, well, you know, he treated me, they, they treated me very badly. And so I can't, I, I don't want that relationship with them. And, and, and I was like, and, and, you know, I'm trying to fix myself and not behave the way they did. And, and she said something that just, just start crying. She was, she said, well, you're not, you don't act like that. So you're actually making changes. And she's seven. And when she said this, I started crying because I was like, you're right. I'm trying really hard. You could actually see this. Um, and that was <laughs> that's, really, that's awesome. That was, that, that was, it was, you, you know, uh, that was really amazing to hear from her because I feel like, oh, am I taking you away from your grandparents? But, you know, you're not really missing anything. You know, they, my mother, she's, she's, she's she's working on her own trauma right she has her own trauma that she's realizing you know she realized oh my gosh you know my husband's awful but now she she's in this place where she can't leave because my my father has dementia and so on so forth but i'm not bringing my daughter around you know as my while my father is still alive she will not she will not see them so yeah so it's the validating i think we from this episode i feel like it's just constant validation you know we can we can allow them to feel we can allow ourselves to feel um without any shame and i think that's very important it is but so is forgiveness Mm -hmm. you're right yeah and in forgiveness, I feel it can look so different for everyone, right? Yes. Yeah, I think, you know, and forgiveness for me, for, for my father, was very much like, <coughs> you didn't know better. Like you were saying earlier on in the, in the episode, they, this, is, this is what happened to them. You know, I don't... Yeah, it's a learned necess- behavior. Right. Exactly. All, all of that is a learned behavior. This is what what their childhood was like. And so it took me a while for me to say, okay, this is this this isn't completely his fault. This is something that he learned. But I still for myself, I'm going to keep my boundaries and this is this is where my relationship ends. Um, and so yes, yeah. and you have the right to do that. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, I think one of the, if you have these type of issues, um, find the courage, take the steps, get out there. There's help, but you've got to reach out and ask for it. And that does not make you weak. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, it takes a lot of strength to reach out and get the help that you need. Um, from a spiritual standpoint, um, one of the things that I have discovered that I not only believe, but I know to be true because of my experiences, everything is God and love is all there is. All you have to do is go find it Mm. within you. You have to go look for it within you. Yeah. And you can't yeah. do that with all this crap you're carrying around. Right. So get rid of the crap and you'll find it. And yep. It's a beautiful place to be. 
Amazing. Lou, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate having you on. Thank you, Laura Lee. I appreciate you having me. Well, that was trauma survivor, spiritual healer, and author of Tortured to Triumphant, Lou Bryant. For more on Lou, you can click on that scrolling fortune cookie right there in the middle of your screen, and that will actually send you to um, where you can purchase her book on Amazon. You can also head over to my new and improved website, TraumaSurvivorThriver.com. That's TraumaSurvivorThriver.com. Also, October's issue of Authentic Insider comes out tomorrow, and I'm so grateful that Lou um, contributed to June's issue. So to check out that issue and read her story, just go to my website, again, traumasurvivorthriver.com. Again, you can look under June's issue. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the email list to get Authentic Insider in your magazine in your inbox monthly. Thank you so much for joining me today. We will be taking a break next week, but we will be back Wednesday, October 12th with Laura DeVore discussing institutional abuse. You've been listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast on Fireside. I'm Lori Lee Binstock. Thank you so much for being a part of the conversation. Take care.